Well, good morning, everyone. Lovely to see you. Hope you're doing well. Um, so my name's Di, and I'm one of the lead team here at the Foundry. Um, and it's just my privilege this morning to be chatting to you, sharing the next sort of few moments. Um, I'm really glad the lights have gone on because I got up here and I thought, I can't see my notes because I've printed them off in too small a font, but we're all good. We're back on track now. There's so much to remember. You know, when you come to preach, you've, we've got like lines on the stage and you've got to stay within them. And, uh, and I even forgot like to turn the microphone on. There's just all sorts of things that need to be in your brain and they're not always in my brain. But I wanted to sort of share today and I just wanted to chat a little bit about church because I, I kind of grew up in a very different church for about 30 years. Um, I was in quite a, like a, what I'd call a strict church. Uh, the people there were so lovely, really, really lovely. Um, but they were like just dead sensible, not, not just sensible in church. Do you know what I mean? When you got out of church, like they laughed and joked and they did all sorts of stuff. But actually in church, they were quite sensible. So sort of 20 years ago, when I started coming to this church, I found it like quite refreshing because this church was like family. And it's like being in your living room. You know, when you tease each other and you can kind of just joke and you just say things and share, it's kind of relaxed like that. So I guess today I want, I want you to be relaxed. I want you just to feel that, do you know what? This is all right to be as I am here. Um, and I remember, I, I, you know, I've just been having a bit of a battle with myself and I thought, should I tell this story or not? And I'm going to go for it. Okay, it's from my old church. So, um, yeah, <laughs> I, hope, I hope it's not too irreverent. But anyway, it, it was quite, like I said, very, very reverent. And we'd sit round in a square. Uh, this was a Sunday morning and there'd be the bread and wine on the table. And it was a, it was a service that was totally to remember um, Jesus and the crucifixion, totally to, to take in like the bread and the wine. So it was, it was serious. And at the end of this service, um, this man um, got up and usually one of the men shared a thought at the end of the service. And that day he just said to us all, it's really important that when we go out of here, that we don't look at the world through rose-coloured testicles. <laughs> I, I know, thank you for that reaction. And I sat there as a 15-year-old thinking, he's just said testicles. And he meant to say spectacles. And I was kind of like, nobody moved. There was just like no reaction whatsoever. It was just so serious. And then I got in the car afterwards and I was like, he did just say, didn't he? And it was just like one of my, my favourite moments. There are others, obviously. I, I, I loved being there, but I love being here. And I love being part of this church community here. And I hope that today, as we go through the next few moments together, that we laugh together and that we enjoy our time together with each other. And if I don't say something that's just a little bit dodgy, well, I don't know how we'll have got through this service without that, but we'll go on. Um, so I've asked you to describe yourself in three words. So have we got any Daniel knew I could rely on you? Tender, loving and caring. Tender, loving and caring. Like, 
He took that off you, did he, Michael? <laughs> so we must have some more, come on, people that are willing to share of their three words to describe themselves. Five. Go on, Van, what's yours? Patient to a point. Patient to a point. Oh, that's, that's very... Well, I'll add honest onto that then. That's really good. I like that. Any others that are wanting to share their three words? Go on, yeah? Oh, it... So what are you today, Janet? <laughs> Are you patient to a point today? Uh, oh, okay, that's, that's good. Go on, there was another hand at the back there, yeah. Kind, caring and compassionate. That's lovely. I like it. We did this a few years ago, and I asked Paul for three words to describe him, and he said he was a chunky, funky monkey. <laughs> like, they didn't have to rhyme, but anyway... <laughs> Now, Paul um, has a habit of closing his eyes, you know, like when he's concentrating on something. But that closing of his eyes ten means he tends to drift off into sleep. So, Ben, it's your job today to smack him over the head if you see him going. Is that all right? Because you're in the right place. Anyway, we are in a series today, in the middle of a series called Hidden Figures. And it's about people in the Bible and there's kind of like less known about them. Uh, and so today, I have chosen that we would look at um, a lady called Anna. Um, and Anna is approximately 105 years old. So today, this is um, a celebration of our seniors. We really want to acknowledge the people who have gone before us, who have built the kingdom, who have financially invested, who have just been dedicated to the Christian faith and their lives are examples for us. So that's kind of where I'm going. We're going to look at Anna, but first, before that, I want to look at someone. Um, is his picture on screen? There he is. Many of you will know this person and many of you will not. Okay, his name is Eric Dewhurst. And Eric Dewhurst, about three weeks ago, went home to be with Jesus. He loved Jesus with all his heart. He lived his last five years in America, and prior to that, he lived on the site here in the bungalows that you see as you come in. Um, he's also lived in Jerusalem, he's lived in different places in the UK, um, but this is Eric. And Eric, um, he was a character. Anyone who knows him would say he was a character and an inspiration. And I have asked people who knew Eric to give me three words to describe him. So here we go. Wonderful human being. Oh, isn't that lovely? Crazy, honest evangelist. <laughs> A proper Christian. Quirky, generous, kind. Breaks the mould, and he did. Loving, caring, generous. Authentic, encouraging, generous. And that's people that knew Eric. And that's what they said about him. And that word generous keeps coming up, doesn't it? And there's other words in there, like I loved crazy, because Eric was just crazy. You, just, you almost didn't know what he was going to do. Um, 
So a few years ago, a group of us went from church and we went to Jerusalem. And because Eric knew Jerusalem, he was our tour guide. And Steve reminded me of this the other day when he took us around Jerusalem. Normally a tour guide, they might have like um, a bright orange hat on, you know, or something like that. So you can see them and you know where you're going. Eric had a sausage on a stick. Okay, follow the sausage. So this is, we went round Jerusalem, which probably a sausage in Jerusalem isn't quite the right thing. And we followed the sausage on the stick and Eric gave us all stories. And I just remember once, this is on a tel this is not in Jerusalem, this is in Tesco's cafe. And I, I went over there and Eric was sat in there with a book and he was sat at this table and we had a little chat and he let me into a secret. So what Eric did was Eric went over to Tesco and he sort of like spied all the tables and he looked for a table where someone had just finished. And on that table was their latte glass with maybe just a little bit of latte in the bottom of it. So Eric would sit there as if that was his latte. So he didn't buy his own drink. He sat at the table where there was a latte looking like it, and he was nice and warm because it was in the winter time. And he was cozy in Tesco with the latte that he didn't buy, but looked like he had. And he read his book and he was happy as Larry. And that's just like a quirky thing. But I say that because Eric wasn't tight. He wasn't tight with his money. Because another story that has come out is that Eric, on a regular basis, would go out with a £20 note in his pocket and he would ask God, who is this for? So he could pass that on to someone and spark up a conversation with them and maybe tell them about Jesus and maybe pray for them. That was Eric, the heart of an evangelist who wanted others to know about Jesus. I've got a little um, clip to show you now. I wanted to tell you about Eric because he's in this clip and he's wearing a white shirt, suit trousers and a tie. Okay, here we go. Can we just watch it again? Because it was so short. Is that all right? No, it's not. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> And those of you who know his son, Lucas, will be able to hear Lucas going, that's worth money, that is. <laughs> but it's just like, that is quirky, isn't it? And that is just like sums up Eric. He did something and one of his grandchildren, who was also fully clothed, then followed him into the pool. And that's my thing, is that what example am I being for others that they can follow? How am I living my life? And others are thinking, I want to do that too. And I know he was a bit out there, but he was out there generously. He was out there as an evangelist. He was a caring person. So what am I modelling? What would the three words be to describe me? And what if I had to give not what other people thought of me, but what, how I would describe how I want to be. How am I working that out in my life now in order to get there? Because I'm not just going to wake up in 20 years time and be generous. 
I've got to start it now. I'm not just going to be patient or kind in 20 years' time. I've got to be it now. I've got to develop those characteristics. I've got to let God mold my life now so that when I get to be like Eric's age, shall I say, there's an example for the generations that are coming through. And all of us have got generations coming through that are watching us, that are seeing our lives. I wanted to give out a shout out really. I looked, it was this, it was how to describe an old person. So I Googled this morning, what's a polite phrase for an old person? Mature. Oh, mature, oh, mature, senior. That's very, oh, what's that, Mary? A senior citizen. Well, they're actually, they were all in the, in the uh, description. Also was the word geriatric. That's awful, isn't it? That's not polite, is it? Oh, it's the geriatric. But then I came across the final one, and it was, see what, Mary, tell me about this one. A golden ager. Oh, what, that's nice. Do you like that one? A golden ager. So I just wanted to thank our golden agers. And I think, Ken, I'm going to pick you out, because I think Ken is the eldest of our congregation. Am I right? You're 94, Ken. 96. 96? Oh, Ken. So, Cat, well, thank you that we can salute the golden ages in our congregation, that we can just thank them for what they have done for us, that they model, especially, you know, like Van, I don't count you as quite a golden ager, but you're not that old, no. But like the ones that you chat with, do you know what I mean? Further down the row, do you know what I mean? <laughs> well, <laughs> but like I think of Van, and he's just like joyful, and what what that row represent? It's just like generosity and godliness, and it's stuff that it just when I come into church and I think there's some people you meet and you get a smile out of them and you get joy, and Solomon, I know you're not a golden ager. <laughs> But Solomon just like radiates joy. He does, doesn't he? He does. Golden ages. And you're even in gold today, Solomon. <laughs> but the thing is, he's kind of like, he radiates just like joy in Jesus. And you can't even say good morning to Solomon without smiling or laughing. And I don't know why that is. But it's a beautiful thing, isn't it? Yeah. I feel your love. I feel your love for Solomon. So we're going to look at Anna because Anna broke all the records, even compared in this room. Anna was 105, and she gets to meet Jesus when Jesus is 40 days old. And at 40 days old, she, she cradles him, and she holds him in her arms. That's the scene. Mary and Joseph have brought Jesus to the temple because in their day, that was the culture. That's what you did when your, child, your male child was that old. You brought him to the temple. And when, he, when she, Mary and Joseph bring Jesus to the temple, there's a man called Simeon there. And Simeon, not quite sure how old he was, but Simeon had a bucket list. There was stuff he wanted to do before he died. And it might have been like, I don't know, bungee jump, ride a camel. He probably got that one, didn't he, where they lived. 
But one of his things was that he wanted to see Christ. He knew what God promised 400 and more years ago in the Old Testament. He was waiting for that baby to be born. He knew the scriptures that said, in Bethlehem, in Bethlehem, the Savior will come. And he knew and he waited and waited because he knew that Jesus was going to be born. And one day, Simeon, directed by the Holy Spirit, made his way to the temple. And there, there in front of him was Mary. There in front of him was Joseph. Remember, Mary would have been about 15 or 16 at this time and just looks at them and he knows, he knows this is the moment. And he gathers Christ in his arms and he looks down at that baby and he says, God, I can depart in peace now because my eyes have seen your salvation. What he was longing for, he got to see. And he was happy to go home because he'd seen it. And I think that really just touches my heart. But in that moment, as Simeon is holding Jesus, this is where Anna appears on the scene. So we're just going to read um, Luke 2 to see Anna's part of the story. She only gets three verses in the Bible, but she's named. Anna, the prophetess, was also there from the tribe of Asher. She was by now a very old woman. She'd been married seven years and a widow for 84. She never left the temple area, <laughs> worshipping night and day, fasting and praying. At the very time Simeon was praying, that's holding Jesus and praying over him, she showed up and she broke into an anthem of praise to God and talked about the child to all who were waiting expectantly for the freeing of Jerusalem. Anna's on it. She's straight in. She sees this scene. She knows what's going on. And she, she just like bursts into song. So 40 days before, angel choirs were on the hills of uh, Bethlehem telling the shepherds, he's here, he's been born, get to the stable. And 40 days later, Anna's there breaking into her own anthem of praise because she can see that Jesus is here. Jesus has arrived and she's celebrating too. Let me just look at these notes because I don't want to miss anything about facts about Anna. She's named as a prophetess, Anna the prophetess. She's the only woman named as a prophetess in the New Testament. That indicates she is spiritually active and that there's a spiritual community that value her input and recognize her authority. She's well known. It tells us she's in the temple day and night, fasting and praying. She is known to people. People go and seek her out for her wisdom. She's accessible. She sees the baby Jesus and she recognizes who it is. And she'd waited like over a hundred years for that moment hundred years and she never gave up she never doubted like Simeon she never doubted that she would see the salvation she hung in there and that moment that time that was the precious moment Anna was probably as the custom of the day married at about 14 or 15 it's just the culture of the day then and she was married for seven years so that would have made her 21 22 and at that point, she was widowed. 
I wonder, in those seven years, what dreams Anna had. How did she see her life panning out? How did she see things going? Probably not that she would be widowed at 21. And she lived the next 84 years faithfully following Jesus, faithfully with her eyes on God. She got herself into a place where she would be blessed. That her story is she could have been crushed by that, couldn't she? 21, 22. She could have been crushed and she could have been in a place where she internalized everything. But instead, she offered that to God. She took her pain and she offered that to God. And she let him work on her life. And she let him move her through the, the temple. She was used because she was willing to bring that sacrifice of pain to him. I wanted to kind of to pause there for a moment. Um, because for many of you, you know how she feels. You know what it's like to have always walked in through those doors with someone. And that's not your story now. That's not your story now because you have to do it alone. And week in and week out, you faithfully do it. And that might be recent or that might be in your history. But you know what it's like to come as a couple and that's not your story anymore. But as Anna, you choose to faithfully position yourself in God's house. You choose to faithfully come week after week after week and you break through where it's difficult for you to do it. But you do it and God sees your heart. God sees you. God sees what it is that you are able to do, even though it's difficult for you. He sees it. And it, nothing is amiss of his radar. He gets it all. There's another old person in the Old Testament, and her situation was desperate. And she got to a place where she just cried out to God, and she called him El Roi, El Roi. And it means the God who sees me. And he saw it all. And he sees it all today. He sees it all for you. He knows how hard it is to be here when your circumstances are different. And when it's hard to kind of put yourself in a place where people have got what you desperately long for. And know that Elroi has his eyes on you. Elroi is watching. Elroi cares. Elroi does not miss a detail. And he is just thrilled that you place yourself where the worship can wash over you, where God can minister to you, where God can speak, where others can get alongside you and just give a word that is just spot on, something comforting, something caring just to get you through another week. LROI sees it all. And I think that's my, my main thing about Anna, was that she made a good choice. In hard situations, she made a good choice. She made that choice to be in God's house and to worship him 
So she went, it wasn't just like sitting on a seat, but she actually lifted up her hands. She actually praised with all her heart and she just honoured him, even though life wasn't as she wanted it to be. We're just going to go full circle, if that's okay, and go back to Eric, back to Eric Dewhurst, because Eric had three phrases that he lived his life by. And one of them, it wasn't to do with Febreze, but it was the aroma. Sorry, Alex, you're my nearest victim. <laughs> it was the aroma of Christ. And you might, as a few minutes go on, you might get a little whiff of that, of Febreze. And that's what God asks us to be. He asks us to go into situations within our community and to be different, to smell different. So it's something that is fragrant in the air, though our personality, our presence makes a difference. It makes a difference to people that we meet. And that starts immediately, doesn't it? Together, we'll just read now um, this verse, and it's from 2 Corinthians, and it talks about us. This is where the aroma of Christ comes from. In the Messiah, in Christ, God leads us from place to place in one perpetual victory parade. Through us, he brings knowledge of Christ. Everywhere we go, people breathe in the exquisite fragrance. Because of Christ, we give off a sweet scent that rises up to God. This is how we impact our community. This is how we impact those in our homes. This is how we make a difference, by being generous, by being kind, by being caring, by being loving, by being all the things that Jesus was and that when we go out, people think like they're different. They are different. What makes them different? And it's all because of Jesus, isn't it? All because of Jesus that we can do the hard thing, that we can make the difficult choices and that we can just like feel the sense that he knows us and he loves us. I'd like to ask our band if they would come back now, please, if that's okay. And could I ask that, because um, we're going to worship again, and could I ask that you stand with me now? Does it feel that some of the stuff, you know, that we've, we've touched today, it might have like resonated with you, or it might have maybe touched a nerve with you, or just meant something. So I really want to pray that you'll know that the God who sees the Elroi his eyes are on you. If you feel that you need anything special from God today, could I just, maybe, you, I don't know, maybe you want to just close your eyes and hold out your hands and just ask God, the God who sees, to fill you. So Father, today, we thank you so much that you are the God who sees our situation. God, you are the one who knows the end from the beginning. You know yesterday, God, and you know tomorrow. And Father, we just thank you for that. 
we thank you that our time is held in your hands. And Lord, there's not a tear that falls from our eye that you haven't seen. God, there's not a smile that lights up our face, Lord, and you've not watched that either and enjoyed it. And Lord, I thank you today for people in difficult circumstances, God, who have positioned themselves here in this place. And Father, I just pray right now, Lord, that your Holy Spirit, your blessing and your comfort might rest on them. Jesus, would you give those people such a double blessing today? Lord, would you be right alongside them? Would they sense that you are here? God, the King of glory is interested in them and on their lives. Father, we just thank you for all that you've done. And we thank you for this opportunity now to worship you again because you are worthy and you are worth it all. Amen.